Do you remember what you were doing on January 21st, 2013? Andrew Doss does. We were hanging out with Stevie Wonder and John Legend, and then Obama came in and was like, Stevie! And they, like, high-fived and stuff. And it was just like, what happened here? Ah, Mondays. I'm Tommy Andres, and this is Creative Coast. You've probably heard of a song or album going platinum. Platinum means more than a million have been sold. But there's an even more elite category, a category for albums and songs that have gone platinum 10 times over, a category called diamond. There are only 34 songs in history that have been certified diamond. Songs like Candle in the Wind by Elton John, Lady Gaga's Poker Face, and Shake It Off by Taylor Swift. But the one we're going to talk about today is this one. If you were breathing in 2012, you've heard this song. It's by the band Fun. But what you might not know is that if you live in northern Michigan, one of the band's three members is from your own backyard. Hey, I'm Andrew Dost. I'm 37 years old. I'm from Frankfort, Michigan. I currently live in Los Angeles, and I make music. This podcast is all about creative entrepreneurs who have brought their ideas, interests, inspiration, and innovations to Northern Michigan. So it makes sense that everyone we've spoken with so far has been in and around Traverse City. But Andrew Dost lives in Los Angeles and is at the tail end of a long and colorful journey back home. I moved back to L.A. to be more engaged with this creative you know, community here. And that has been amazing. But what I'm realizing now, especially with, with quarantine and with Zoom and all this stuff, is like where I really want to live is northern Michigan. I really love it there. Andrew's journey starts at Frankfurt Junior High, where he first fell in love with music. Once I hit about 12 years old, it was kind of all I could think about. It was all I um, wanted to do was practice guitar and play music and practice trumpet and it just became kind of like the overriding driving force in my life where I just knew I was going to be doing it forever. And I kind of wanted to just start immediately, basically. Tell me some of the bands that kind of influenced you maybe uh, maybe forever. I mean, the Beatles were the first one to really kind of blow my mind. Like my dad gave me a Beatles tape and I, and I just obsessed over it. And then in about junior high, I got into punk rock and stuff. I was really into Weezer and really into No Effects and... Ben Folds 5, I really can't, not that that's like punk rock by any means, but like that was kind of sufficiently mind-blowing too. I played piano and I realized that piano could still be kind of a cool thing to play. What did your parents think about you potentially pursuing music for a career? They were supportive, but they were also like, you need to have, you need to be ready for a real job when the time comes, which is why I ended up studying journalism at CMU. But it wasn't in the classroom where Andrew found his path forward. It was in the clubs and bars. The music scene was really vibrant at CMU when I was there. It was, it was all like experimental and cool and omnivorous, and it was just really a neat time to be making music. I formed a band with some, some friends there, and then there was another really, really amazing band in town that I was obsessed with called Anathalo. I just really admired them, tried to play shows with them whenever possible, and then at a certain point, they asked me to join. 
that was the first kind of like like we started going on tour and like during Christmas break and spring break and anytime we had any, any spare minute off, we would be playing shows all over the country. And so that was that was the first like we I think we all kind of like leveled up together to be like, all right, we're like a, a band. We're a real band and, and we're touring and doing this. And we had a van and a trailer. It was just awesome. It was magical. It was so much fun. Anathalo got a manager. His name was Tom Gates. He's a great guy. And that manager came up with a plan for a new tour. He was managing Brand New and the format. And so he wanted to put us on tour with the format because we had horn players and stuff and we could do the arrangements of their new album, Dog Problems, live. And so it was a little bit of a, you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. Like we got to go on tour with a great band and they got horn arrangements for free. The lead singer of the format was a guy named Nate Roos. And as Andrew and his Anathalo bandmates are traveling around the country with the format, he and Nate start to click. One of the best parts of touring is, I would say, meeting the other bands and making making friends. And so Nate and I just really hit it off right away. Young bands often burn hot and fast. After several years together, Anathalo called it quits. Once I parted ways with Anathalo, I went on tour with the format and started just doing kind of kind of helming all their arrangements. On that format tour in 2007, Andrew and Nate started jamming together a bit. Nate and I tried to even write a couple songs together, and we were like, there might be something here. This is kind of cool. But in February 2008, the format burned out too and disbanded. And shortly thereafter, Andrew's phone rang. Nate called me and said, let's go to New York, book a one-way ticket, let's start a band. And I was doing literally nothing. I was living with my parents, working like one day a week at a coffee shop because in Frankfurt there was only one and they didn't have much need for help. So I was like, all right, what else am I doing? All right, I'll go to New York, sure. Nate and Andrew teamed up with Jack Antonoff, the guitarist and lead singer of a band they'd both toured with as well called Steel Train. We were just making demos and recording and like just kind of falling in love with each other essentially as like musicians and people. And we just never left really. Did you know when you started writing with Nate and Jack that this was going to be such a big thing? I mean, I know personally it probably felt like sort of magical. You said you guys were kind of falling in love with each other musically. But did you have any idea that you were writing something that was going to be so commercially successful? No. Uh, And when we started, actually, the first song we did was not very good, I didn't think. And so we were kind of like, oh, let's try something else. Let's see what else happens here. And then we gradually kind of hit our stride. On August 20th, 2008, just seven months after the breakup of the format, Spin Magazine announced the arrival of Andrew, Jack, and Nate's new band. The article came with a free download of the group's first song, Benson Hedges, and proclaimed the indie rock project's name, Fun. Before Fun even recorded an album, the band began touring. They played early demos and some covers at their shows. Then they hit the studio and recorded their debut album, Aim and Ignite. Baroque pop and ornate kind of like stuff. The album was praised by critics and was greeted with commercial success too. It peaked at 71 on the U.S. album charts. We were thrilled with it, and I still am. I'm proud of that album. Fun landed an opening spot on the band Paramore's European tour, 
and license a song to Expedia for a commercial. When I use Expedia, my friends at work think there's more than one me. Because on our trips, I always get there faster. And they landed a new record deal with a label called Fueled by Ramen. But it wasn't until the guys from Fun sat down to write their second album that things really started to click. We were kind of like, let's cut away a lot of the stuff that we don't need. Like, you know, six clarinets on this playing all counter melodies and it's going to be crazy. And then nobody really cares. So we're like, let's let's cut away all the clarinets and all the whatever that, that people maybe don't even pay attention to. Let's write great songs, simple melodies timeless lyrics. Let's kind of go for it on this one. The band started crafting songs that would make up its second release called Some Nights. The feeling was the same of like, this is fun and exciting and I love what we're doing and I love working with you guys. This is magic. And and it wasn't until maybe our, our manager or our record label heard the songs that we were like, oh, maybe this is commercial because they were like, you guys made a hit record. Like this is going to be a platinum record. Like you need to get ready because this is going to be crazy. So what's it like to be told you guys are sitting on a platinum album before it comes out, before it like to have somebody in the music industry look you in the eyes and basically say, all we got to do is get this thing out there and you guys are going to be big. I mean, clearly it's exciting, but was it also a little scary and a little bit like, oh, what's going to happen now? I mean, your life was about to change in a big way and you sort of got a warning about it. Yeah, it was scary to hear that a little bit, but mostly I think we thought it was funny. I think we were just like, yeah, right, a platinum record, like whatever, like you, what do you guys know? Like, we're just a couple of heads from wherever, so who cares? But they were right. Oh boy, were they right. On February 21st, 2012, Fun dropped its album, Some Nights, and it exploded onto the charts. By March, the single We Are Young reached the number one spot on the Billboard Hot 100 chart. So if by the time the bar closes, it was used in the TV show's Gossip Girl. The queen bee ascends to reign over a new kingdom. 90210. What happened with Dick? He never showed up. Glee. And Chuck. You know, I can't even begin to tell you how excited I am that I get to meet you. In the trailer for the film, This Is 40. Your kid is an animal. He insults my daughter again. I'm so sorry. And in commercials for Chevrolet. Chevy Sonic. From your first time to the time of your life. Chevy runs deep. And Apple. I don't know. There's something about that song that just felt like such a perfect anthem for the time. We've just kind of clawed our way out of the financial crisis, right? And there's like sort of this rift between the old white guys running everything and everyone else. And I'm wondering if that is that just Kitsma? Like, did that just is did that just happen, or are you inspired by what's happening around you, and that's what causes it? Is it a causal relationship or is it an effect relationship? I guess is what I'm asking. Yeah, totally. Great question. I think it's both. I think it's it's weirdly speaking of like the the, the patriarchy, the lyric actually started as a, as a kind of a winking coming from the perspective of the patriarchy. Let's set the world on fire because we can do whatever we want. Like we can, you know, clear cut the rainforest. We can mine stuff and into oblivion. We can pollute. We can whatever. We're young, so let's set the world on fire. It. And oh, sorry, I don't know if I can swear on here. Um, you sure can. Okay. So it kind of started from that sort of a place. And then with time and, you know, you play something 30 times and you're like, oh, that's that's what it is. And so eventually we realized like, no, actually, this is like a party anthem kind of. 
So I guess to, to go back to the question, I, th- I think it, it's, a, it's a bit of both. You write from your moment in history and you hope that you have something timeless and universal to say within that. I think that's kind of as a songwriter, what you're hoping to do is, is capture something that's of the moment, but also will outlive the moment. And is it frustrating or is it rewarding when people take whatever they want from your song, right? Like if they're not getting the intention of what you wrote and they're sort of using it for this other purpose in their own mind, like frat guys loving this song, right? Like them just standing on top of the keg and saying, like, yeah. we are young, you know, those probably aren't your people, but is it- No, they is are. It cool? Oh, it's, they are. Okay. Well, they that's are. good. Yeah. That's but, kind of what I'm But it's a good, about. it's a great question. It's a great question though, but those are- Every, everybody's my people. <laughs> and and like, that's awesome. Like if somebody wants to party and get trashed and listen to fun, like, hell yeah, that's great. I want the songs to be for everybody. And I think as a, as a songwriter and an artist, whether it's a visual artist or a filmmaker or whatever anybody does, once you release it into the world, it's not yours anyway. So like, We Are Young is not my song you know it's it's everybody it's it's it is that it's that frat guy song essentially as much as it is mine it just isn't yours anymore you let it out it's like a dove that you release and like the best case scenario is that people love it two other songs on some nights became hit singles as well carry on and the title track the band played saturday night live and the 55th annual grammys where they also won for Best New Artist, Song of the Year, and were nominated for Album of the Year. If this is in HD, everybody can see our faces, and we are not very young. If you're lost in a zone, or you're sinking like a stone, carry on. May your past be the sound of your feet upon the ground, carry on. We were playing music as our as our quote-unquote day jobs, and that is all I really ever wanted out of music was to be able to do it as a career. I didn't necessarily care about winning Grammys or anything. I just like kind of forgot that that could even happen at a certain point. And then so then when, when that conversation came too, where they were like, the Grammys want you guys to play the nomination thing because they think you're going to get nominated for a bunch of stuff. Then it was then it was like whoa like this is even a different kind of tier of success than than we've been experiencing. It was just all like almost like cartoonish in a way where it was like what like okay whatever like I guess so let's go. Like Obama wants us to play his inauguration. Okay, like hilarious. Let's do it. Oh yeah. And did I mention Fun played the Commander in Chief's ball as part of President Obama's second term inauguration in 2013? No big deal. What is it like sort of being in those moments and and do are you able to sort of take them all in or is it just so overwhelming that it's just blowing your brain? <laughs> yeah, more more column B. It, you, it's hard to take in. It blows your brain a little bit and like with with the Obama thing, we were hanging out with Stevie Wonder and John Legend, and then Obama came in and was like Stevie, and they like high fived and stuff, and it was just like, what happened here? Like, where, like, what is this? Um, things like that 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 you just have to take them in because it, they get too surreal. Like, it, or if you think about like the stakes of playing Saturday Night Live and it's it, it is live and if you mess up your piano part that's going to be really embarrassing forever like you're going to think about that and and you can't think about that because then you're going to mess up you just have to be there and it's like very zen they become these moments become very zen and you have to just like be present and 
enjoy it as best you can and do your thing, but it's the task at hand is to perform and that becomes the, the focus, not the maybe historical context or financial context or any other thing. Like you just kind of enjoy it and, and all you can really do is reconnect and like, you know, look your friends in the eye and say like, let's do this. Did, was there anything about sort of seeing the other, the, that side of fame that you didn't like about it? Here's what I'm asking. I, I read this interview with Tom Brady and he'd won the Super Bowl and he said he was in the bus after the Super Bowl and he was kind of like, is this it? Was this was it? Like, it was just sort of like when you reached that level, were you surprised at how it felt or what, was it just good or did it, was there some mixed emotion to sort of like, you know, playing on stage at the Grammys? Uh, playing at SNL, having a, you know, platinum album, like all these amazing milestones. What did it feel like, I guess? Well, the the short, maybe like more soundbitey answer is that like, it's all great, man. It's great. You know, it's wonderful. And the, the, the bigger kind of sadder answer is that like, if you're, if you're sad and lonely feeling that doesn't, a, a trophy doesn't make that feeling go away. And I think We Are Young just went diamond, which means 10 million sales or something. And and it just like is like, I don't, it's special and magical and amazing, but I don't, I don't really care. I think like it doesn't fill my soul in a, in a way that my soul needs nourishment. Like that's why I'm kind of excited about the prospect of moving back to Traverse City because the things that fill my soul would maybe be teaching, sharing what I've learned. You know, I've learned so much about the industry and about how to craft songs and how to make those songs successful and how to navigate the world of music and film and tv and imparting that information to the next kind of generation of artists that that i think is much more nourishing to my soul than awards or sales figures or whatever despite its incredible success some nights would be fun's last album on february 4th 2015 the band announced on its facebook page that they weren't splitting up just taking time to pursue other projects. Nate Roos went solo. I am nothing without love. Jack Antonoff started the band Bleachers. I wanna get better. And Andrew started composing for films. He did the soundtrack for the 2015 film D-Train, starring Jack Black. Fun comes to an end at some point, uh, quickly, actually. I mean, for such a crazy meteoric rise, it's also sort of a meteoric finale. And I know I've read several interviews with Nate and you guys, and you've said that it's never really ended, like it, the band could come back at any time, although that seems less and less likely with how far away we're getting. Um, I'm just curious about your thoughts on sort of it ending and whether you were surprised and what you thought you would do next. Yeah, I mean I was it, it was it was a bit of a surprise when fun ended, but also it kind of wasn't. It was it was kind of looking back, I've had some time to, you know, think about it from more of a detached perspective or something. It's not quite so fresh, but I don't know what we would have done if we had kept it going. And at the time it didn't really make sense. It was like why would why would we stop this while it's rolling along so well? But then I don't really know what the next album would have sounded like. We started making a couple songs and it just, it didn't feel very good, I, th I think for a number of different reasons. But um, yeah, it was a pretty quick end. I don't, I don't think we will 
make music together anytime soon. We've done a couple things here and there. I've worked with Jack a couple times and I've worked with Nate a couple times since, but the three of us, it seems unlikely, I would say. I'm guessing this brought you enough financial success to not have to worry about jumping right back into work. Um, But, you know, when you've sort of hit this peak as an artist and you've had this success, I mean, you really couldn't lay out a more successful band in a short amount of time. (laughs) I mean, like uh, the, the metrics are insane. So what do you sort of do as an artist to kind of step back from that and reassess and sort of shape who you're going to be going forward? Yeah, that's, that's, I mean, that's, that's the human experience is like, what, what defines you? What defines who you are? And fun defined me for a period of time. And it it's taken some adjustment for sure. It's never, I'm never going to stop writing songs. I'm never going to stop playing music. I'm certainly never going to stop listening to it. But I'm realizing there's a more holistic approach to life where I don't have to be a former person who was in a successful band that's a part of who I am but also like I can build furniture and I can make bread and I can move back to Traverse City and start a flower farm or a auto shop what you know whatever like I just read this morning that Colonel Sanders started KFC when he was 65 years old so no wonder he's so old in the ads <laughs> yeah yeah because he was he, he was old from the get-go so you might still have a KFC in you after all <laughs> I hope so. God, that'd be great if I could start a fast food franchise. So after touring around the globe, after winning Grammys, after playing Saturday Night Live, after playing Obama's inauguration ball, and even after being in one of only 34 bands to have a diamond album, Andrew Dost is coming back home. He could choose to live anywhere on earth, and he's choosing Traverse City because when you've checked all those boxes, when you've done all that stuff, what you realize is, those are just boxes of stuff. You think you think you want a Grammy or you think you want a platinum album. And what you really want is love and acceptance and artistic fulfillment and community and, and having dinner with good friends and sharing a drink and a laugh. And, you know, those are those are the things that really fill your soul in a way that like someone's idea of success can never really do. So in his new life in Traverse City, maybe Andrew will teach music. Maybe he'll bake bread. Maybe he'll start his own flower farm or even a fast food franchise. And maybe he'll be driving up M22, looking out over the bay, when a certain song will come on the radio. And he'll say something like this. Wow, that they're still playing that old, dusting off that old chestnut. Creative Coast is a podcast series brought to you by Traverse Connect, the Grand Traverse Region's economic development organization, and is produced by me, Tommy Andres, and Maria Byrne for our company, Heirloom Media. That's spelled A-I-R. We use some of the music Andrew Doss composed for the movie D-Train in the show today, along with some music from Fun. Josh Hoisington composed our theme. This podcast series is made possible thanks to generous support and funding from the Michigan Film and Digital Media Office at Michigan's Economic Development Corporation. You can visit Traverse Connect's website at traverseconnect.com.